Okay, welcome to the GPP Project Podcast. I'm John. I'm Julie. And I'm Brittany. And what are we talking about this week? Today we are going to talk about cross-training and why it is important to incorporate it into your regular training routine, not just when you're injured, and uh, how to do that. Um, So for those of you who follow our blog, we just had Brant Stachel guest post for us, and he gave us a really great article on how to properly use an elliptical, um, and it included some great elliptical workouts. So if you feel like including elliptical training into your routine, I say check it out because he's got some really great ones on there, and Brant's a really smart guy. Um, but for today, we are going to talk about we're going to start by why, talking about why you should be including cross training into your routine, and then we'll get into some other specifics. Mm-hmm. So why? Cross. I mean, the first point there. It will help you prevent injury. You know, some, there are people out there uh, who can run and never get injured. There was we had a couple girls on our team in university who like they never got injured. I don't know. They yeah, just never crazies who run like two hundred k a week and somehow they yeah, just never they, do. They're freaks. Yeah, yeah, they are. Most of us, which aren't, is cool. They're yeah, good yeah, freaks. Yeah, but most of us aren't like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. had a. There was a. The thing is, and I think that people they have this idea in their minds that. Um, if they cross train, they're not going to get the same benefit. I'm going to tell you right now, it's totally false. Cause we also had girls on our team who only ever ran workouts every other time they cross trained and even a long run, often they would split it in half and run half and cross train half. Mm-hmm. And especially the one girl in particular, I'm thinking of did that amazing season. She had her best season. Mm-hmm. She wasn't getting injured. So, I mean, there's your first point right there. So you could you could argue that, like, maybe if you had the ability to run 100 to 200K a week and not get injured, maybe you would be a faster runner. But the reality is, if you're not that person, you're just going to end up injured, and then you're definitely not going to be a good runner. We see that a lot. There's this really big push happening um, in in childhood athletics, too, where, where like, people are... People are specifying way too early with their athletics. And but it's a whole different conversation to figure out like why that is, and it's a lot of guesswork in sociology. But the, what, what I'm addressing is that people are putting their kids into, into really, really limited programs. So like if your kid's good at soccer, maybe they do soccer like four or five times a week, or you know whatever their thing is, tennis or swimming or running would be another really good example. Mm-hmm. And what we see is that these kids who are in developmental stages start becoming hyper-adapted to the demands of their sport. And something that's really important to realize with this is that competing in sport is unhealthy. Pursuing sport as, as like a general thing and pursuing a variety of activity is really healthy, but specificity is extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. As, as a human species, our bodies are, d- are designed to be generalists. We're designed to have exposure to a lot of different demands and stresses and movements and like whatever, temperatures and stuff like that. And if you start taking that away, you become unhealthy very quickly. Mm-hmm. So to put this into context, if you're... If your training just looks like running, you are probably doing a lot of damage to yourself because you're not fulfilling this movement quota that requires a lot of different inputs and a lot of different mm-hmm. stimulus. Running is great in the right amounts for the right person uh, in the right balance. And if you don't have balance, if you aren't cross-training, 
it's it's not going to go well. I really, really like what you said there, John. I just want to drive that point home because I was in this... um, I I would consider myself a part of this thought process uh, before as well where I just thought, I'm a runner. I'm the healthiest person alive because look at me. I can run, you know, X number of kilometers a week and I can run for this long, for this amount of time. Like, I think sometimes athletes get it in their head that they are the healthiest because from the outside it actually it does appear that way right like you know they're probably not overweight probably got a little bit of muscle definition somewhere mm-hmm. you know whatever people always just assume that someone who's really really good at a specific sport or athletic pursuit they are the healthiest and i think that it's really important for runners to recognize and be able to admit to themselves that what they're doing is actually not as healthy as they think and and it's it's not unhealthy in the same way that alcoholism or you know binge eating is but it's still a lot of one thing and a lot of one thing is never a good thing i would also to 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 tap into that like beware of the confirmation bias too Mm -hmm. that's the trap that so many of us fall into is you you get positive feedback sure like maybe you started this routine because you wanted to lose some weight let's say and you do lose that weight that's awesome confirmation doesn't necessarily mean that you're continuing to head in the right direction also doesn't mean that adding more of the same thing will continue to move you into a positive direction that confirmation bias happens in research that's where the term comes from um, but it's just as true in, in change psychology and in whatever health and fitness and, and it's really important to recognize to look at objectively what you're doing and remove that desire to be right because that's really where it's all rooted. Yeah. Well, you hear this all the time in, in groups of runners, you know, maybe someone gets sick or maybe they're just, they're just talking about like, you know, that guy, that um, 44 year old runner guy, he's so, look at him, he's not fat. He, he can run for two hours without stopping. He's so fit, he's so healthy. But, and I used to think like, when I was when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, wow, you know, if you can run that long, that's really good. But now when I hear that, I'm like, okay, but can he can he squat all the way to the ground? Can he swim? Can he climb? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you see some, especially as you get runners up in you know into the masters divisions, who they run every day and they have been running for years, and yeah, they can run, but they can't move, mm-hmm. and it's very. It's a very, I've, I've, you know, I've witnessed it even with my own, some of my own family members who are runners and, and they've got, I'm, I have the benefit of, I, I was young, I'm young and I was young when I started trying to do things like squatting and stuff. So I was able to do it quickly and adapt quickly. But for, as you get older, it, it only is, it gets harder. Your, your hips get stiffer. Things get, it's just, if you can't move your body in the full ranges of motion that it's supposed to do and do the things you're supposed to be able to do like i said swimming or climbing squatting down to the ground how healthy are you really and this is where cross training comes in because it it's going to help you address those things so brent was talking about the elliptical um other forms of cross training are swimming uh rock climbing is a crazy workout i went once last winter and I could not believe how sore I was the next day. Um, you know, we're coming into the winter season. Another huge benefit with cross training is it does allow you the opportunity to go inside, 
when the if there's a blizzard out, like don't good luck running. You're not it's not gonna happen. Um, when there's three feet of snow on the ground, why not try something different like cross country skiing? You're gonna get a, a huge benefit, right? And I think it's just a point that I really want to drive home. Um, because you know a lot of our listeners are runners, and I'm we're not sitting here trying to discourage you from pursuing your your goals in running. I have goals in running. Running is still very much the largest part of of what I do in my training. What we're saying here is that recognizing that running is a very one-dimensional activity Mm -hmm. and that pursuing it to a high level is unhealthy. So if you're going to do that, you have to do everything you can to keep yourself healthy and one of those things is cross training and a lot of people they view cross training as something you do once you get injured so you wait till you get injured and then you say well now I guess I'm cross training because I can't run and then as soon as you're healthy healthy and healed again you scrap cross training entirely and you go right back to running and for the majority of the population even competitive runners including cross-training as a part of your regular routine is a proactive way to prevent injury so that you don't end up getting Mm sidelined. Yeah, like this is a huge part of where our company got its name, actually, is um, to, to, to take a big picture view on this is regardless of where you're at, whether you're a hobbyist or you're a competitor or you're just looking to improve your overall level of fitness, that first step is what's called general physical preparedness, or GPP. And that involves exposure to a wide variety of of movements and stimulus. Now, if you're just getting started, that's great. Invest some time in a wide variety of things, and then if you choose to compete, then you need to have like a short window of time where you focus intensively. That would be called sports-specific preparation, which is a phase. It doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. And then you move back into a GPP phase and you you'd work to undo some of the damage that's necessarily done by that specificity. This is true of every sport. This is not a specific indictment of running. See the same problems in baseball players, football players, swimmers, whatever else. Your body just adapts. This is also really important to realize. If you're already a highly competitive runner and maybe you've just reached a a serious ceiling in your performance that it's not necessarily that there's anything wrong. It's just that if all you're doing is one thing, continuing to put more pressure into that, into that loop, into that system, isn't necessarily going to get you the result that you want to. So, I mean, I, I mean, I mentioned this because we were talking about injury prevention, but it also matters a lot as far as performance increase. If you are just constantly trying to push like one system forward, I think there's a lot to be said about scaling back and trying to find a way to go around that wall. Don't keep beating down the wall, go around the wall, do something else and then see what adding strength or what simply like changing the way that you're challenging an energy system too, which is a lot of what Brant talked about. It's not like, like the reason the elliptical carries over to running is because you can train your aerobic system and your anaerobic system on an elliptical the same as you can with running. I mean, I think running's a better movement, personally. Having said that, if it doesn't agree with you or if doing the, the required amount of uh, volume doesn't agree with you, then it's a perfectly suitable way to do it. I'm a huge fan of the rower. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason is that you can train posterior chain with the rower. Mm-hmm. You're not doing, well, you're doing very little of that. 
typically the way that most people run. You should be doing more than you probably are. But the point is, you can you can fill out um, like they're they're very complementary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know if if maybe elliptical is not your thing, or maybe you don't have access to a rower. Uh, the spin bike, a stationary bike, yeah. is another great one, especially if you do it properly too. I highly suggest if you decide you want to include um, the spin bike that you you know read, do some reading or watch some like YouTube tutorials on on how to properly do it because there is a way in which you um, will use your quads and your hamstrings versus the way a lot of people do it, they end up just using their quads. So yeah. if you have questions about that too. Let us know, and we can put something together to help you out yeah, if, if biking sure. is something you want to try as a form of cross training. I feel like it, it bears repeating that too. That like all of this um, is sort of predicated on the fact that you have to be doing the thing right. Yes. yes. <laughs> like yes. if you're rowing incorrectly, that's not going to improve your injury resilience. That's probably going to move you yeah. more towards injury. So you got to you got to do the thing correctly. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we keep sort of mentioning repetitive. Uh, like more like cardio style movements, but strength training is a form of cross training. Oh, yeah, and obviously, we're hugely in favor of that, uh, and it, it should be a part of. If it isn't already, it, it totally needs to be a part mm-hmm. of what you do. And I think um, depending on where you you're at in your season depends on you know what type of cross training you turn to. So, I think strength training should always be a part of your program if you're getting into that sport specific. Uh, period of time like you were mentioning John where you're getting close to your you know big competition your big race or whatever it is strength training you're probably doing that a little less and focusing a little bit more on your sport specific and that's where some of these other forms of cross training like elliptical like the rower like a bike really come into play because you need to have your it, maybe you need to have your mileage up really high maybe you're training for a marathon and you need to have high mileage but your body just cannot handle that pounding every day and then you use those other forms of cross training. Whereas when you're in your off season or pre-season training and your run volume, you can cut back on it and then really amp up your strength training. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you're at in your season, I think it's uh, worth noting that you know you can alter the levels of how much you're running versus how much you're strength training and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So there are gonna be times of the year where you wanna put your focus more on strength training. And then there are going to be times of year where you want to put more focus into running. That being said, I think that you can always maintain a balance between the two. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, like, let's, let's give some structure to this. So if, you're, if this is resonating with you, start by making a list of all the different movements you do in a week. And I think for most people, that's going to be an alarmingly short list. So that should be your first indicator for your first priority and then decide what you think would be the the simplest way to add a different a different movement category in Um, and there's a lot of ways as a as a coach that I look at this for instance so part of it can just be like sport specific if all you do is run then like do something totally different like do a dance class or something like that that would be a fairly low demand you can you could you can find that you could organize that or yoga or like i think group classes offer a really like a really cool easy entry uh, mm-hmm. option for people the other thing if you have a, a more nuanced understanding of your movements or maybe you already do strength training because there are certainly those people that are listening 
start to divide your body up into like quadrants. I mean, if if you do if you have a strength training program, but all you do is very quad dominant exercises, then you need to look at the amount of demand and training that's on your posterior chain. We see this a lot where people, especially if you're coming from a running background, people were very quad dominant. I think that people are familiar with that term, but they might not understand what that means, first of all. And they also might not understand that it really requires you to relearn how you're using your body in order mm-hmm. to address that. So, Can you, our listeners, some examples of quad dominant movements? Yeah, so squatting is very, very quad dominant. Um, and then depending on on what your specific patterning is, certain things that may not be quad dominant are if you're if you're not performing them properly. So what I mean by that, like a classic example would be like a lunge. You should have a lot of posterior chain, that being hamstring and glute activation happening in a lunge. But if your body is trending already towards quad dominance, then uh, it's it's unlikely that you're getting good recruitment out of your posterior chain. And that requires retraining, which is an investment in process. We can maybe go into that specifically a little bit more on a different podcast, I guess. But suffice to say that um, it, it requires not just a movement, but attention to how you're executing the movement. That's really, really, really critical. The, the movement isn't necessarily the medicine. It's how you're doing the movement that's the medicine. The other one that I really want to mention and make people aware of is the treadmill. Because I see a lot of people moving indoors onto treadmills, and treadmills are quad dominant. It, it, if you can think about how it works when you're running on a treadmill, the belt is moving your leg backwards. It's, it's moving your leg behind you. And that's the part of the running cycle that normally your posterior chain would be responsible for. It's your glute and your hamstring that's going to sweep your leg back behind you and actually and, and give you um, that, like that part of the gait. Well, if the belt does part of the work for you, you're changing the, the, the percentages of, mm-hmm. of how much of your, your posterior chain is needed. And that's why we see people get back out on the road come whatever, March, or whenever you feel like braving mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the road again. And I mean, whether you live in Vancouver or you live in uh, you yeah, know, true Toronto. Or, like, yeah, who knows? Maybe you're in like Nicaragua and you're listening to this and you're... Why would you ever be on a treadmill then? I don't know. I don't know. You're crazy. Yeah. I guess the opposite problem is too hot. They get a a rainy season too. Arizona people, if anyone's from Arizona, like it gets really hot there. True. I read about a running group who gets up at three every morning to to run there because it's too hot otherwise. That's that's a high level problem. Yeah, if you live in a desert, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. So to get back to that, um, like the, the the treadmill can be very destructive. When you do get back out on the road, for whatever reason you've you've decided to pursue treadmill training, your muscle percentages or what we could call your strength balance has fundamentally changed, yeah. and that's a huge part of what cross training can offer. And, and well selected cross training mm-hmm. is is that you're you're trying to bring up weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I think about this always like um, almost like a pie chart maybe. Like if you only have one piece of the pie, it's not a full circle. You're not you're not you're you're not completely solving your your movement quotient. And what I look at as strength train or sorry uh, cross training is let's fill that circle out. Let's give you the other pieces that you're missing. Mm-hmm. And that whole circle approach is really a great way to to look at injury prevention. Mm-hmm. My my general rule of thumb with treadmills and having to move indoors, uh, you know sometimes in the winter time. 
yeah, you wake up in the morning and you have a workout planned and there's a blizzard. It's like, oh, well, can't do that. Uh, I guess I'll go inside. If you are forced indoors because of weather, why not use that opportunity to cross train as opposed to getting on the treadmill? Your body like why, why bother getting on a treadmill when you're not going to get the same muscle recruitment that you do outside? Try something, try something else, change up your workout. Mm-hmm. You have the power to do that, especially like, I use the bike a lot personally. Um, if you get the clips, you're, it, yeah, you're a lot you really more can get your, your hamstrings going. Mm-hmm. And so an example of how I do this, say I was going to go outside and do five by five minutes. You can actually take that workout and just move it onto the bike. Mm-hmm. And you can do five by five minutes on the bike. And however you, if you want to just for five minutes, try and go really hard or five minutes, turn up the tension, a combination of both. And you get the same aerobic quality out of the workout Mm -hmm. but now you know you're not either a trying to slog through snow which generally you'll get a poor quality workout and potentially pull something or slip on ice and b you're also not just wasting your time on the treadmill only getting half your legs going yeah I want to complete a thought that I had earlier on on the elliptical too because I think that that's part of what makes the elliptical really attractive is that with the treadmill, you can't really get the same, like there's no way to modify what you're doing on the treadmill to get that posterior chain into it. With the elliptical, that's if you're doing it properly, it should be, you should have a lot of emphasis on your posterior chain. Mm-hmm. And a great way to know it is if you're keeping your heels down, mm-hmm. like that, if you're riding up onto your toes, you are going into a very quad dominant pattern. So keep your heels down and think about sweeping your legs back. Like think about drawing that full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same thing goes with the bike. Obviously you can't keep your heels down on a bike, but if you're if you're creating tension and if you're putting pressure through the, the full circle of the movement, mm-hmm. then you're getting the back half, the, the posterior chain side of the yeah. of the sweep. The bike should be, it should, I think a lot of people think, oh, push, push, push on the pedals. It's actually a push-pull. Yeah. Push-pull. Yeah. That's a great. The yeah. pull is exactly yeah. what In fact, about. it's probably better if you're biking to focus on the pull because you're going to push anyway. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're a runner, your quads are ready to go. So focus on the part yeah. that requires actual focus like conscious effort in which is the pull part of it and on that note like get some tension on that bike yeah like don't like have it at like level yeah. two like i mean i i feel like a lot of runners tend to try to go hard or go home so you know maybe it doesn't need to be mentioned but i'm gonna mention it anyways like challenge yourself no right? i think i think it does bear mention because i think that cross trainings can sometimes be synonymous with like wasting time Mm -hmm. or mailing it in in people's minds and that's totally not the case you are trying to satisfy a purpose Mm -hmm. i um i'm a big fan of talking about this in terms of jujitsu too uh to take a little bit of a tangent here because jujitsu has a lot of movement variety Mm -hmm. but it also still instills very concrete patterns into people i don't want to get too far into specifics because it's hard to visualize for the sake of the podcast but what 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 you're trying to solve is what stuff do you need to invest what movements and what areas of your body do you need to invest time into in order to keep doing what you love doing the amount that you want to do it 
So that's just as true for running as it is for jujitsu. Is if you want to train four times a week, that's awesome. I'm 100% behind you if you want to train hard that much. But that might require three to four hours of other auxiliary, whatever you want to call it, cross training, correctives, strength balancing. These are all like kind of part of the same conversation. And it requires an investment in that to keep yourself going. Because the reality is, as we said at the beginning, specificity has a cost. There's a huge cost to your body to become extremely proficient at, at a limited amount of movements. And that's what we're trying to work against. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's kind of been a theme all along with us. That you've, If you've been listening to our podcast and, and reading our blog, you probably noticed we're really passionate about keeping you doing the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know... For runners, obviously, running is what you love. So we're not trying to tell you, uh, you know, run less because it's bad for you. And we're trying to tell you, run a little bit less so you can keep running. Like, do you want to be yeah. 60, 70, 80 and not be able to do that activity anymore? Which everyone knows how heartbreaking it is to have an injury. And then all of a sudden you go from running and being happy. Now you can't run a step for the next, you know, three months. Or everybody, mm-hmm. I think everyone who's ever had an injury, which is pretty much every runner out there knows that like awful gut feeling when you realize that this injury isn't going to go away in three days and you don't know when you're going to get to run again and And then you see all your running friends going out on a group run together and you have to stay behind i want to put that in like just flip that on its head and put it differently is figure out how much running is good for you yeah. And do that amount. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not. It doesn't seem complicated to me, but it, that's not the approach that we usually take. What we usually take is what's the maximum amount of something that my schedule will allow me to do. Yeah. And that's the wrong way to approach training. What you should look at is what is the right amount of contact with this movement that my body likes. And if you're in pain or you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. or you're battling injury and you're in and out, you really need to get honest with yourself yeah. about your, that you're doing something that's not good for you. And it doesn't and make it, you weak. If you no. if you can't, if you know, you, you realize that you're trying to maintain a volume of running that is breaking you down constantly and you're constantly battling injury, it's not like, oh, you're a lesser human being because you can't run the same amount of mileage as your you know, your friend who's running 100K a week, you are just as good an athlete. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just, your body is different. So treat your body uniquely and do the thing that's right for you and you will become a better athlete because of it. You'll have, you'll, you'll see an increase in performance and you'll feel better. There's a really cool emerging science in like the way that we're starting to look at uh, genetics and what we're applying that knowledge to. And, and within the strength and conditioning world, a big part of what's coming out is that there are people that are genetically predisposed to high volume training, and there are people that are genetically predisposed to very low volume training. And one is not better than the other. Yeah. What is better is for you to figure out, I mean, the, actually the genetic testing is not that expensive, so you could do that, and I would look into that online if you're interested. But you could really simply do that with your own training. Give yourself 12 weeks. Cut your volume down. Are you improving your times? That's a very, like, that's mm-hmm. a positive response then. And that might be an indication that you should consider an alternative. Because mm-hmm. when you, when we, we keep talking about injuries, 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 but maybe you're not getting injured, but maybe you're getting burnt out. And, and that could be really noticeable. I've, you know, you go from one week to having, like, crazy 
personal best and then all of a sudden like by maybe by the time you got to your goal race you were totally destroyed and so it could be really obvious it could also just be you slightly underperforming and not really even fully being aware of that you're slightly underperforming yeah like you could be what if by running a little bit less maybe adding some cross training putting in some strength training could actually make you so much better and you just don't know it because you're too afraid to challenge that norm of always having to run i actually know someone in university who she was you know in like week to week in each race performing like decently well whatever and then she had something like tweaked in her foot and she just like was like you know what i don't want to push it so she took an entire week off and she had a race at the end of that week um and she got to that race and actually had a huge personal best and it was like, I wonder if maybe you were just like, you know, maybe if you had cut back your running a little bit, you would have felt a little fresher and more well-rested. Maybe all those other decent races could have been great races. And, and when we say she took a week off, it wasn't like she sat on the couch for a week. She cross-trained. Yes. Um, so she was still putting in work that week. But I think um, if, you're, if you're interested in exploring this topic a little bit further... I would read something by T.J. Murphy. He's written a book that you two got me. Mm-hmm. Well, he authored it, and, it, and it's it's co-authored by somebody else, but uh, called The Unbreakable Runner, mm-hmm. I think, or maybe just Unbreakable Runner. And he's also uh, co-authored a book with Dr. Kelly Starrett called Ready to Run, which I'm looking at on my desk right now. <laughs> uh, and to, to like Cole's notes on him, he was the editor of a triathlon magazine, maybe just like triathlete, I forget what it's called. I'm butchering this, so you'll have to look into the details yourself. But suffice to say, he had a fairly long triathlon career and then got to the point where he couldn't walk without discomfort just due to, I mean, and what's interesting about that is by the nature of triathlon training, there's even more movement variety Mm -hmm. than maybe what your program looks like because they have to bike and they have to swim. But there's a tremendous amount of volume that goes yeah, into the training and a lot of repetition, sure. I mean, like, there, it's sort of a cult of, of suffering around <laughs> triathlon, right? Oh, yeah. Anyway, the book, Unbreakable Runner, is about his exploration into CrossFit. And he started uh, practicing CrossFit and, like, by his own account, got his life back. Now, that might be satisfying, you know, in extreme with an extreme, because CrossFit might not be the answer for you, but the idea, one of the fundamental tenets of CrossFit is movement variety, mm-hmm. and I think that that's probably where a lot of the success came in, mm-hmm. is all of a sudden being responsible for having to coordinate yourself through a whole host of new mm-hmm. demands, and, and that can really change, that, that can change things radically and, and very, very quickly. Absolutely. So let's just quickly do, like, a run-through of different types of cross-training. So, number one... Strength training. If you're going to do one type of cross training, I say it should be strength training. Um, and if that's scary to you, get help. We've got some great programs available at the GPP project. Um, you know, there's always a one-on-one option. But I think that should be the number one first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're thinking that you're running a little bit too much volume and you're trying to like, you know, give your body a bit of a break, which I highly recommend. Um, replacing some of your running volume with cross training we've already mentioned elliptical we've mentioned the bike we've mentioned the rower um another great one julie you talked about winter is coming Winter uh, is coming. <laughs> if you i know for me part of the thing that i love about running is that it gets me outdoors um so this one is a bit of an investment but 
If you can gra- like get a pair of used snowshoes or used cross country skis, you can rent them for a season. You can rent yeah. them at, at like pro shops for a whole season, or you if you live close enough to like if you're lucky enough to live close enough to like a cross country ski resort. I don't know if that's what they're called. Anyways, you can rent them there too for like a day. Um, but if you, if you're thinking of including cross country skiing or snowshoeing as more of a regular part of your routine, then I recommend renting them for a season. But that's a phenomenal way yeah. to cross. Well, work with work with the weather. Like, yeah. What's better, slogging through snow in your running shoes or gliding through snow on skis? Yeah, I mean, it, winter sucks. I'm like totally there with everybody. I'm a summer person at heart, but like, it, it's gonna happen anyway. So you might as well. Unless you're living in a desert, then yeah, I mean, you might as well work with it, and that's a great, great way to work with it. Um, other forms. Did swimming. we say swimming? swimming? Yeah, swimming, swimming is the other one. Yeah, um, and pool running is a popular one amongst runners. Um, I've done it. If you do it again, if you do it right, it can be great. But don't get in the. I think of what happens a lot of times is people get in into the pool and they pool run and it's like they don't even really try. They're not really doing it right, um, and then it's kind of useless. So if you do it right, it can be helpful. Yeah. I I think um, what I like about swimming and the rower. And to a lesser extent, the elliptical, but still the elliptical, is that it places a demand on your upper body yeah. as well. And mm-hmm. if you're a runner, you probably need to create upper-lower symmetry just as much as you need to create anterior-posterior symmetry. There's just a lot of factors to think about, and, and getting some upper body work in there is really huge. And then, like, so those are the like the aerobic-slash-anaerobic cross-training. And then Julie mentioned, Britt mentioned, one of you two mentioned... Climbing, that's phenomenal. Yeah, climbing, You're not going to yeah. get the same workout feeling, but it is going to challenge um, like your strength for sure, mm-hmm. your coordination. It's also mentally really challenging, which is which is cool. We didn't talk yeah. about that, but um, but running can be really yeah, running can be really monotonous. If, if you really, if we're talking winter, you really want a great workout. First blizzard, go shovel all your neighbors' driveways. You can even make money off of it. You can charge them for that. There you go. I. I shoveled a driveway, a very massive driveway once, to three hours. I'm sore for like two weeks. You know what? I, the only thing I would push back on that is like that's that event, that first snowfall of the year, is coincidence or not correlated with a tremendously high injury rate. Because <laughs> everyone's out there shoveling. And then everybody sure. hurts their back. So yeah. if you're slipping on that ice, or just having bad mechanics, mm-hmm. frankly. So if you know, keep keep that in mind. So maybe strength train, and then you know what? Your no, get well, in the that's, that's actually a really classic example of people not being invested in general physical preparedness, and mm-hmm. then coming across a really significant physical challenge, which is shoveling. Like what is it? Like, Snow is heavy. It's heavy. Exactly. It's like thirty pounds per shovel load if you really go at it. And you might be out there for 45 minutes, and it's rotational, which usually people are very weak in anyway. So I guess my point is that might not be the place to start. Yeah, so you start strength training now, so you're ready for the well, snow. Yeah, consider that you're gonna be you're gonna have demands placed mm-hmm. on you that you might not be ready for. And then one final point that I want to make, um, because I know that some of you would probably go out and do this, is when we're talking about adding in cross training. We're not talking about adding it in on top of all of the hours and mileage that you're currently doing already. We're talking about cutting back a little bit on what you're already doing and replacing it. So if you're running 100K a week, 
Don't be like, well, a GPP project told me that I need to also strength train and also cross train. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about cutting back and replacing some of your runs with some cross training sessions and replacing some of your hours of training with some strength training. We promise it will benefit you. Yeah, let's not beat a dead horse with that, but I think suffice to say, like, let's have a more intelligent conversation about this stuff. It means that you have to prioritize other things. We, we talk about this a lot, and I think um, sometimes we can be, like, apologists for our own philosophy, but the reality is you probably run enough. Mm-hmm. So what else are you doing? What, or what, else, what else are you not doing in order to become a better athlete, become a better human? Mm-hmm. And this is a dead point. If you're already experiencing some kind of like pain or injury, you're doing too much. So you need to change what you're doing. It's yeah. really, really simple. Your body's giving you feedback. And if you're not going to listen to it, that's foolish. Absolutely. For sure. I think we should probably just call it right there. Cool. So how can people get involved with the GPP project? You can follow us on social media, yep. Facebook, The GPP Project, Twitter, at The GPP Project, Instagram, at The GPP Project. Yeah, uh, comment. You can share our posts. We love when people do that. Sharing is caring. Yep. So if you like what you're listening to, share it. Yeah, we yep. love small internal parties every time something gets shared. Yeah. It's a cause for celebration. And it is. Uh, it's and it also... needs more than just my mom to share it, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and, yeah, like I said, comment, drop us an email, uh, info at the GPP project. And ask questions. Like, we, yeah. we can always make time on these podcasts for questions that we want to include, actually. We yeah. just don't really receive a lot. Um, I think we cover a lot of content. Yeah. And there's a there's another half of the conversation that doesn't happen if you're not asking questions. So yeah, if you want some clarification, we're totally happy to let's move back. Let's start backwards. a conversation. Yeah, please. Yeah. Let's do that. That's a big part of if you, our mission. If you disagree with something we say, by all means, let us know. Yeah, start your let's, own podcast. Let's get, we'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get a debate going. The war of the podcast. I'm just kidding. But actually, if you if you if there's anything that we say that you're like, nah, I don't think that's right, we're okay with some criticism and we would be happy to get into a discussion. Yep. So, yeah, we're we're pretty effective trolls. So, <laughs> bring it on. Uh, what else is there any other way social media, website? I guess that's about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So. Well, subscribe looking... to this podcast. Yeah, do that. And if you're liking it, uh, that would be amazing if you could, you know, hop on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. We love five-star reviews. That'll be an even bigger party if yeah, we get one of those. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Thanks. for listening. <laughs>